Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Grab your Bibles, turn to Psalms 42 and 7 if you want to. There's there's a book out. uh, It's rather an old book, but I pulled it out recently and began to kind of peruse through the covers of it. Um, Brother Jones you're probably getting weary of me saying that, but he really set me up today for definitely in the same vein of thought about what uh, I think the Lord is trying to speak to the church. Uh, there is a book called uh, Overcoming an Enemy Called Average. An Enemy Called Average. You know, great leaders are not made from average people. Great leaders great people, great feats of strength or agility or um, intellect. They typically come from people that have pushed beyond average. Um, My parents never paid me for C's when I brought home my report card. Now, there was a point in time in my life where they were happy if I would get a C. <laughs> but in grade school, I, I there was a little system that my parents had. Well, if you bring home an A, you get this much. You bring home a B, you get this much. You know, even a B minus will we'll give you a little incentive to do real well. They They compensated me for being above average making that honor roll, whatever it was. And I believe that the church that Jesus Christ is calling to the last days is going to be anything but average. I don't believe this church is a church that's called to be average. You're not called to be an average child of God. God has called you to do some things that are, that are tremendous, some things that are far beyond and above. And I have had the privilege of being able to kind of sit back and and overlook, read the crowds at time over the last 18 years as pastor of this church and watch as God has developed people and brought them to a place that is above average. Above average. Jesus had just fed the multitude that was following him fed them the loaves and the fishes the miraculous breaking of the bread feeding the 5,000 goes to the other side and the crowd follows him over there the Bible if you read the story says you know they they found him on the other side and he speaks to them and he says this he said you follow me because of the loaves Then he gives them a piece of advice. He said, don't put so much effort in temporary meat. I'm using my own words here. He said, but put your efforts in things that are eternal. He said, you're following me because I filled your belly. And you're saying, well, he he provided a miracle and gave us bread today. So maybe we'll get fed again this evening or tomorrow. Wherever Jesus is at, we'll make sure that he's got the ability to feed us. And Jesus said, but that's a temporary feeding. That's a bread that is temporary. That's a meat that that is just for today, and you will get hungry again. Don't 
follow me just because I gave you bread that filled your belly for one meal, and then a few hours later, you're hungry again. He said, but follow me because there's something eternal that you can lay hold of. And, and it goes on a little bit more, and, and something happened there that thinned the crowd out tremendously, <laughs> so much so that Jesus turned around to his disciples, and he says, basically, where did everybody go? It's just, it's back to us again. There were 5,000 people that were here when I was passing out loaves and fish. But I began to talk about developing commitment, developing relationship. I began to talk about things that people don't want to really hear, things that are eternal. And I look around and I see that everybody's gone but the handful of disciples that walked here with me. And he asked him, he said, are you going to leave me too? And well, first the one disciple says, Lord, the reason that everybody left you is you're kind of talking about some hard stuff here. You're kind of bringing up some things that, that people have to make decisions on that are life-changing. I think Jesus wondered, so if you say that they're hard and everybody else is left, are you gonna are you gonna leave me too? And the one disciple steps up and he says, Where would we go? It's you and you alone that has the words to eternal life. You see, the call to commitment separates followers from disciples. There were thousands that followed. There were few that were discipled. I want to preach to you today from Psalms 42 and 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All the, thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. I just want to preach digging deeper, digging deeper. You may be seated today. God bless you for standing. God bless you for worshiping creating the atmosphere for the Lord's Word to move. <clears throat> Last night, I had a fairly busy day yesterday. There was a lot going on. We had a couple of our grandsons over, and uh, things uh, just kept us rolling most of the day. And uh, there was a service yesterday evening that we were part of, and we're over there and uh, part of that service. And so I, I got rolling in right at the edge of the storm that Brother Jones was talking about being out in, I, I caught a little bit of that myself, and and I, I got home a little bit late into the evening and time, evening time, and due to the hectic schedule, my eating schedule was all out of kilter yesterday, and so it was getting late into the evening when I made the executive decision that I was going to go ahead and, and and eat instead of going to bed hungry like I probably should have. Now that's one thing to go ahead and eat late at night. I do that sometimes. I enjoy a late night meal on occasion. Uh, I, I'm one of those guys that. If there were one thing that I probably needed to change, that would be it. Don't eat so late at night. But if there were a secondary part to that, it would be don't eat the wrong things at night. And so in my decision-making last night, I decided I was going to go ahead and eat. And my wife lovingly asked if I wanted her to make me something. She was willing to get up, even though the hour was getting late, and put something together. And I said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to trouble you for that, you know. She'd already uh, had a little bit of something, wasn't nearly as hungry 
as I was. And so I decided that we would have a frozen pizza. Just heat up the oven, throw a frozen pizza in. There were some Doritos laying around that were already open from the kids being there. And I'm just going to have a little pizza and a few chips and call it a night. It was going to be easy and done. And uh, bad choices on multiple levels is basically what I was doing. And so <clears throat> I ate the, the pizza and ate the chips. And uh, about 1030, I, I strolled off and climbed in bed and went to sleep. And uh, it was about an hour and a half later, I, I woke. I, I woke up from my, my sleep, and, and I haven't done this in a long time, but I woke up, Brother Jones, extremely thirsty. I mean, it was just a, a cheese pizza and a few Doritos. I mean, I don't know the sodium count and all those things, but it had to be rather high because when I woke up, I felt like I had been laying out in a desert someplace for the last three years, mouth dry, you know, I felt like I was going to have to crawl into the kitchen to, to fry, try to find me some water to drink. I was dying of thirst. Not really, but that's the way I felt. I felt very parched. Stumbled into the kitchen, the dim lighting, found a glass, and then walked over to our refrigerator where we have this little dispenser on the front of it and the door where you can have cold water. It's always available. It's filtered. I enjoy it. Now, I don't mind Sparta tap water that much. I've had better and I've had worse. And, and so, uh, but I really, really like to get my drinking water out of the refrigerator because it goes through a filter process and, and comes out and it tastes very good. It doesn't have the taste of chlorine in it. And I just feel a little bit better about drinking it. But, but the number one thing I love about it, it is the perfect temperature when it comes out of that refrigerator. Anybody else have one of these? Okay, we've got several of you. Sure, that glass of water, I put that glass of water underneath there, and I let that fill up with crystal clear water, and I began to drink it. Not so cold that you're going to get brain freeze from it, you know what I'm talking about, when you drink it too fast, too much, and all of a sudden your belly starts hurting, your head starts hurting, you wish you'd slow down just a little bit, but 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 it was well beyond lukewarm. It was, it was a nice, cold glass of water without being too cold, and there I was in the middle of the night, midnight, drinking down that water. And now I got to thinking about this as I began to put this, this message together. How fortunate we are to live in a country where we are able to be choosy with what kind of water that we want to drink. It's one of the perks of being an American. You don't have to drink from the creek. You don't have to, you don't have to put up with with foul-tasting water. Now, those of us that have been on the campgrounds, at the Illinois District campgrounds, you know what foul-tasting water tastes like. You know, there were times when I wanted to go to uh, uh, somebody that was in charge and say, do you guys throw Alka-Seltzer in that? Why does the water fizz? It's not supposed to fizz, is it? It's not supposed to have that brown tint to it, is it? I mean, really? It's not supposed to taste like rust. I think they did it on purpose so that we would take the shortest showers ever known to mankind. In and out of that shower so quick on the campgrounds, never had to pay a high water bill because nobody likes to drink the water. But now we have even better tasting water on the Illinois District campgrounds. 
I can, I can get this water just about wherever I want to that tastes good. I can have it in my home. And if I don't like the water from the tap, I can, I can get the filtered water. If I don't like the water from the filter, I can go down to the store and buy my favorite water uh, that comes in, in, in a plastic bottle or a glass bottle or whatever you want. We have access to good drinking water. Nobody here is being poisoned by the water. When we built our home in the country about 30 years ago, up north before we moved down to Sparta, we had a, a plot of land that was out in the country a little bit, did not have city water, ran to it. And so we had to call somebody in that would dig a well for us. And this company came in, they began to dig the well. And they went down about 25 foot, and I was out there watching them. It was kind of fascinating to me, the big machinery. They'd pull that, that dirt up out, making that cylindrical hole down into the front yard of our property. And I watched as, as he began to dig, and, and I heard him say, we've hit water. We've hit a stream. 25 foot down, I was thinking to myself, you know, the shallower the depth of this, this well has to be, the cheaper it's going to be for me to have a well. I was thinking money, 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 you know. I didn't know if they were going to have to go down 150, 200, 300 feet to, to hit water. I didn't know what they were going to do. I'd never had this done before. But what I did know was the longer that they were on my property and the more uh, depth that they had to go through the trouble to drill, the, the more expensive my well was going to be. It was going to hit my pocketbook. But 25 foot down, he says, we've hit a first stream. And I said, oh, we, we good to go, a little reservoir, and we're good. He said, no, I, I want to, to go down a little bit deeper than that. I, I think we need to go down. It's, it's a good stream, but it's not a great stream. It, it'll provide water, but we need more. So they began to continue to dig, and about 10, 15 foot down further, they hit another stream. He said, now, now we've got a good one. The first stream can kind of supplement the good second uh, the, the, the uh, second stream that is, that is better that we hit. And, and you should have a wonderful well. And they began to dig enough down to where they could create a reservoir where we would always have fresh, cold well water. And it was great those years that we lived there. We never had a problem with the water running dry. We never had a problem with it. And, and we took that water, and it tasted okay, but it was very hard water, and even though it tasted okay, it didn't wash our clothes very well, and our soap wouldn't lather up very well in, in the shower, and our, uh, our soap wouldn't lather up very well when we go to wash dishes, and so somebody recommended, go get a water softener, and we were surprised to see how much of a difference that thing made in the way the water tasted and the way the water was used and the amount of water that we had to use. It's incredible. Fifty feet is all we needed to have a good reservoir of water. Fresh water supply at the turn of a knob. Most of us today, we don't give it a single thought. We go home and if we need a shower, we hop in the shower, fill up the bathtub. If we need to wash dishes, we turn the knob and the water comes out and we fill up our sink and Whatever we need to do, whether it's wash a car or, 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 or get a drink of water for our thirsty, uh, our thirsty selves after we've been outside working in the yard all day long, whatever it is, we have a good, sufficient supply of water. But that is not the case everywhere. 
There are places in this world that water is very difficult to find. Water, as you know, is crucial for life, but there are places where a good supply of water cannot hardly be found. One of those places is this planet's second largest populated country, India. I ran across this story, and it fascinated me. You know, India is a massive place filled with people. 1.3 billion people live in that country, and it's expected to grow to 1.7 billion by 2050. Just 25, 26, 27 years from now, 1.7 billion people living in an area approximately one-third the size of the United States of America. That same country boasts of only 4% of the good drinking water in the world. How, How in the world do these people survive? And the answer to that question is many of them are not. It's not that they don't have wells, but the problem is they do not have safe drinking water. The water that they have to drink from their wells, in order for it to be a safe water, they must dig past two shallower water tables until they can reach down to a depth where the water is no longer contaminated. You see, the very first water table, amen, the very first water aquifer is filled with all sorts of bacteria that is harmful for humanity. The second aquifer filled with arsenic traces that are more than five times the World's Health Organization, what it sets as being acceptable. Amen. There are literally wells all over the country of India. The problem is not that there is no water. The problem is not that there is no wells. The problem is, is that the wells that they have have not been dug to a depth where the drinking water is considered to be safe. And so people are drinking water that is unfit to drink. Not till you get to that third aquifer that you can reach water. Safe for the consumption. But in the process, they have to make sure that the first two aquifers are capped off. Otherwise, the good water can, can be contaminated by the bad water. You don't want to take the good stream and contaminate it with the bacteria from the first aquifer. You don't want to take that third stream that is down 350 some odd feet or more and contaminate it with traces of arsenic so that it's not drinkable either. No, you have to make sure that there are things that are shut off from the depth. Say all of that to say this. On a spiritual level, 
There are times when you cannot get what you need to survive and live a healthy spiritual life by being satisfied with what you get from the shallow well that you have dug for yourself. Now, hear me. Hear me, I'm all about getting people in. I believe that people come in and they start off and they're just getting to know God and it feels good. They get a little taste of the, the water of life. They get a little taste of things that are going on and they, it feels good and it quenches a spiritual thirst. But there must come a time. Hear me today. This is not an easy message. This must, there must be a time in your life where you decide that I'm not going to be satisfied with the shallow things of God. I'm not going to be satisfied with just digging down to a certain left and, and, and living with something that is substandard. But I am going to commit myself to the ways of Jesus Christ. And I am going to dig a well where the water that I can be uh, quench my thirst from comes from a place that is pure. Twenty-one percent of India's communicable diseases are linked to the bad water. But here's the thing that really gets me: five hundred children a day die. A day, not a year, a day. Five hundred children a day die from an illness that is linked to drinking from the shallow wells. Listen, I learned a long time ago that it's worth every effort to dig down deep when it comes to serving God. It's not an easy thing to do, amen, but it is well worth the effort to commit to having a relationship that has depth to it, a relationship that is not satisfied with shallow things. Now, I've lived long enough to go through some things that can rock your world, knock your socks off. And, and even recently, we haven't talked about it, but, but we've dealt with some things, and we've took it before the Lord, and we try not to worry till we have a reason to worry. We try not to fret. But in the back of your minds, there's always this little voice that says, what if? What if the bad news comes? What if my world gets shaken? I'm here to tell somebody today you need to hear me. Dig down deeper. Make sure your well goes down to where it is pure and fresh and untainted. Make sure that your relationship with God, there is nothing that is going to come in and sneak in and creep in and cause the pureness of your relationship with God to be tainted. Don't let anything stand between you and a relationship with God that has some depth to it because it's going to be that depth of that relationship that holds you through when things try to destroy your world. Reason that they do not go down so deep is because of the obstacles. You hear me? It's difficult the deeper you go. The rocks that have to be drilled through, the clay that has to be dealt with, but understand something. Those same things that are hard to get past also provide protection from the poisons that come from the shallow wells. You hear me today. I don't know anybody that's dug their spiritual well deep that has not been happy that they're in a place with God where they feel protected, where they feel comforted. There's some things that you're never going to experience with God on a shallow relationship with him, but there are some things that you're only going to be able to access when 
and you have drilled down deeper than you thought you could. You just keep serving him. You just remain faithful to him. You just keep reading the word. You just keep praying and fasting. You dig down deep, but don't be afraid of the hard work that comes your way because everything is better when you get into a relationship that has depth. Call for our music today. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, there's a very sad story. Very appropriate for what I'm trying to help somebody with today. I want to serve God, but I want to serve him on my terms. I want to serve God, but I want to pick and choose what parts I want and what parts I want to stay away from. God is calling us into deeper. He's calling us into deeper, and the way that he calls us into deeper things is by asking us to commit to the task. Commit to the work. Commit to the struggle. The Bible says, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Ask him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Don't kill, don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't be fraudulent honor the father and my mother he was going through a list when the young man I sound to me like per this conversation kind of cut him off yeah 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 I know all that I understand all that I, I've observed them from my youth I, I've done all these things that you're asking you don't have to rattle off the list I, I know everything that you're talking about not only do I know it but I've obeyed it Jesus looked at him, and the Bible says, loved him. He loved him. This rich young ruler, the Bible says, Jesus looked at him, he said, I love this guy. But he said, you're lacking one thing. One thing? Just one thing? Bring it on. I've taken care of everything else. Bring it on. He said, you're lacking one thing. Go thy well and thy way and sell whatever thou hast. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says that he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. The deal is, all of his possessions were temporary. If there is one thing that is a struggle for most of humanity, it's letting go of the things that we have acquired in this world. 
You know, I don't believe Jesus calls us to be paupers. I don't believe he delights in us being poor, struggling, barely getting by. I really don't believe that that was his point at all. I think it was a heart issue that he was dealing with. Everything that you've done, you've done it, but it's not really cost you anything. I believe that he was making a point that if you're going to follow me, it's going to take more than just doing a handful of things that are easy for you to do. But I'm going to ask you to do a hard thing and see how you respond to that. And once you've sold everything that you own, your boats, your flocks, everything that you have of value, and you give it away, it's not that you're not going to have treasure. You're just not going to have treasure here. You'll have treasure up there. And then I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Where'd everybody go? Lord, you're asking a hard thing. Would you stand today? I, I just want to ask you this question. When God really gets down to where the rubber meets the road with you on an individual basis, should he ask you to do something that is difficult? Hard. Where will you stand? That's a question that only you can answer. But I'll tell you one thing. You've got a much better chance of remaining a disciple instead of a follower if you're drinking your water from a deep well a deep well of consecration, a deep well of sacrifice, a deep well of commitment. That's what these things bring us. They bring us to a depth in our relationship with God that nothing can pull us away from. Come over and drink from my well. Well, <laughs> you may have plenty of water, but kind of like the taste of my water and I kind of like the way my water makes me feel. I'm not drinking down the poisons that are in your shallow wells and I'm not, I'm not compromising this freshness and this pureness and this life-giving flow with something that has no depth to it. For that to happen, there's some things that you sometimes have to cap off some things that you have to make sure that they cannot get into the stream of your spiritual life. I know. I know what I'm saying is not an easy thing. I didn't expect anybody to be running the aisles. What I'm trying to say today is we have to think. We have to think about these things because there are some days that are coming where you might be in a situation where you have to choose is today more important than eternity. 
is what I have in this moment going to keep me from what God wants me to have in the future? When that moment comes, I want your well to be deep. I want your commitment to him to be solid. Not your commitment to me. I'm just the man in the middle. I'm just the under-shepherd. I'm just the guy that gets to come preach the message where nobody shouts and nobody's raising their hands and nobody's saying amen. You're all looking at me like, I wish he'd just be quiet so we could go home. I don't like what I'm hearing today. I'm that guy. But I've come with something very important today. If the Lord speaks to you and he asks of you a hard thing, if he asks for you to dig deeper than everybody around you is digging. Know that there's a purpose and a reason behind it. Because the deeper you go, the fresher, the more pure, the safer it is. And it is a wellspring that will never run dry. Paul said, I have not seen and ears not heard, not even entered into the heart with man, what God has prepared for those. That's awesome. Who has not been to Hawaii? Most of us. Who has been to Hawaii? Has anybody here been to Hawaii? Okay. Rich. They can sit down and try to explain to you how beautiful it is there. Oh, the coastline. Oh, you've got to see it from such and such a place. But they can never really, really help you see what they saw. That's what Paul is simply saying. We, we haven't got to, We can dream about heaven. I have not seen, ears not heard. It hasn't even entered into the hearts of man all the incredible things that God has prepared for us. I can't paint you a picture that can even come close to what heaven's going to be like. But God revealed to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Hear me today. I believe God is trying to draw us in. Would you bow your heads with me right now? I just wonder right now, in the quietness, there's nothing, there's no fanfare going on. Just a beautiful worship song that they're about ready to sing. I wonder today, how dependent are we upon everything having to be just perfect for us to make a commitment to the Lord? Or is there anybody here today that would just like to step out from where you're at, come up to an altar, bow down, raise your hands, whatever you feel like doing, and just lift your hands to heaven. Say, God, you know me. You probably know me better than I know myself. God, and I need to know that I've got the depth that it takes to survive whatever comes my way. 
Would you come today as they begin to sing this song? I open this altar to you today. I encourage you to come. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.